Amen. All right, well, we're there in Esther chapter number five, and of course, we are continuing through our series entitled For Such a Time as This, and we are doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Esther, and this morning we find ourselves in chapter five, and what we find in chapter five is Esther uh, going uh, to see the king, and uh, in this chapter, just, just so you know, we're going to cover verses one through nine. If you remember, we actually dealt with verses 9 through 14 of this chapter in a sermon entitled Haman's Hate, a Portrait of a Psychopath Reprobate. That was back when we were in chapter 3. We kind of covered some of this chapter as well. So we're not going to cover that this morning. But in verses 1 through 9, what we see is when we see Queen Esther uh, approaching the king and walking up to the king. And of course, if you remember, this was at her own risk. You were not allowed in this kingdom to walk up to the king and to enter into his presence without being called. And Esther had not been called for a month, but she needed to speak with the king. Uh, It was a pressing matter uh, in regards to uh, the safety of her people. What we find in this chapter, what I'd like to illustrate for you, is we find a beautiful portrait of prayer. We find a picture of prayer and how prayer works in the life of a believer as we approach God uh, with our needs. So if you're taking notes, and I'd encourage you to take some notes as you're, if you don't have a babysitter on your lap or something like that, I'd like to notice several things from this chapter in regards to prayer. Esther chapter 5 and verse 1, notice what the Bible says. It says this, Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house, and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter. Now, this is a big deal because if you remember, if you walked into his presence and the king did not hold out the golden scepter to you, then your penalty was death. Anybody that walked into his presence without being called uh, would be put to death, except if the king decided to show grace at that time, to show favor at that time. If he would hold out his scepter, then even though they had not been invited, even though they had not been called, they would be allowed to come into his presence. And this was what Esther was afraid of. Remember in chapter 4, she ends by saying, if I perish, I perish. And she wasn't sure if she would be allowed to walk into his presence. But here, We see her walk in, and the Bible says that she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter. Let me just say this, and I'm I'm preaching about prayer this morning. I'm not preaching about salvation, but even in this, we find a beautiful picture of salvation. Aren't you thankful that God has held out his scepter to us, though we were uh, worthy of death, though we did not deserve it? He has given us favor, and he has given us grace. And here we find the king who, in this story, represents in this analogy, in this, uh, in this allegory, represents God the Father. And we see Esther the Queen, who would be a representation of us as the local church or believers. She has came into his presence, the Bible says. And notice it says there that Esther, uh, that, that uh, the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Last part of verse 2 says, so Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Now keep your place there in Esther chapter 5 and uh, go with me if you would to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15. You're there in the book of Esther, you have Job, Psalms, and then the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15. And let me give you some analogies here, some ideas in regards to this picture of prayer or this portrait of prayer. And if you're taking notes, you can jot these points down. The first thing we see in the story is the privilege of prayer. See, in this kingdom, in this Medo-Persian empire under Ahasuerus the king, not everyone was allowed to just enter into the presence of the king. Not everybody was just allowed to walk up to the king and uh, begin a discussion or make a request or give a petition. You, Not everybody, you had to be called, you had to be invited, not everybody had access 
to the king. Well, in the same way, if we see the story as a portrait of prayer, we see King Ahasuerus picturing God, and we see uh, Esther uh, picturing uh, uh, the believers. What you need to understand is that in, in our spiritual and Christian life, not everyone gets access to the king. Not everybody gets access to God, the king of kings. Not everybody gets to go before the presence of the king. See, prayer really is a privilege that has been given to only certain people because God does not hear the prayers of everyone. Are you there in Proverbs 15? Look at verse 29. Let me show this to you. Proverbs 15, verse 29. The Bible says this, The Lord... And if you see those, uh, that word there, that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Jehovah God. The Lord is far, notice, from the wicked. The Bible says that the Lord is far from the wicked. And then notice the contrast. The contrast to the Lord being far from the wicked is this. But he heareth the prayer of the righteous. See, the Bible says that God hears the prayer of the righteous. And within that context, he contrasts the idea that he is far from the wicked. And what the Bible is telling us here is that God does not hear the prayer of the wicked. He hears the prayer of the righteous, but the Lord is far from the wicked. Go to Proverbs 28, if you would. Look at verse 9. Proverbs 28 and verse 9. Proverbs 28, 9 says this. Proverbs 28 and verse 9 says this. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, and the law here is referring to the law of God or the word of God. This is, of course, in reference to the wicked who don't want to hear the laws of God. The Bible says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. See, wicked people, it's always funny to me how these worldly politicians, they all want to, you know, have these times of prayer. Joe Biden wants to have this time of prayer in his inaugural speech. You know, when Congress opened this year, I think there was a lot of news going around because some nitwit gets up there to pray, and he ends his prayer saying, amen, and a woman, (laughs) not realizing that the word amen is a transliteration that has nothing to do with being a male bunch of morons. But these wicked people, they stand up supposedly to pray before God. But you know what the Bible says? He turneth away his ear from, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be abomination. See, our politicians today, they've turned away their ear from the laws of God and their prayers are nothing but an abomination to God. God does not hear the prayers of the wicked. God is not listening to the prayers of the wicked people of this world. Go to 1 Peter, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 3. If you, keep, if, you, if, if you start at the book of Revelation, last book in the Bible, and head backwards, you've got the book of Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, 1st Peter chapter 3, Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, 1st Peter chapter 3, look at verse 12, let me just, I'm, I'm just trying to make this point to you, maybe you didn't know that, maybe you did, but God does not hear everybody's prayer, 1st Peter chapter 3, and verse 12, 1st Peter three twelve says this, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, now notice the context, The eyes of the Lord. God is watching the righteous. Notice, and his ears are open unto uh, unto their prayers. So God is watching the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. Do you know that God is just waiting for you to pray? The Bible says his ears are open unto their prayers. Notice, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And against the context and the contrast is this, that God hears the prayers of the uh, righteous, that God is attentive to the needs of the righteous, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And just like in Esther's story, not everybody got access to the king. Not everybody was allowed to walk into the throne. Not everybody got to bring their petitions before God. It was really a, a, a privilege for someone to walk in and speak to the king Ahasuerus. But in the same way, in real life, when we're talking about the king of kings, God Almighty, not everybody gets access to God. Not everybody gets to bring their petitions before God. You're there in First Peter. Go to the book of Hebrews, if you would. 
if you go, keep going backwards, you have the book of James and the book of Hebrews. James, Hebrews. When you get there, do me a favor, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin there because we're going to leave the book of Hebrews and come back to it later on. Hebrews chapter 4. And let me just, for sake of clarity, say this. It's not that God is unable to hear the prayers of the unsaved. It's that God doesn't listen or take heed to the prayers of the unsaved. So it's not like, well, God can't even hear them till they get saved. No, he can hear them. Obviously, he can see them. God knows everything, hears everything, sees everything. But God is not listening to the prayers of the unsaved. In fact, the first prayer that God hears from an unsaved person is a prayer for salvation, is a calling upon the Lord for salvation. But, you know, I will also say this. There is a prayer that God does hear for the unsaved, and it is a, the prayer of those seeking salvation or the prayer of those seeking someone to bring them the gospel. The prayer of those, there are people out there who they're not saved. They don't know how to be saved, but they're asking God. They're realizing that there is something out there, that there is a truth that they're looking for. And the Bible does teach, and I do believe that God hears those prayers. And I don't have time to develop that, but I'll give you just uh, an example reference. And you can jot this down if you'd like. Acts chapter 10 and verse 4, we have Cornelius, who is an unsaved man, but he is bringing prayers before the God, before God, and, and the angel appears to him and says that God has heard his prayers, and, 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 and he's given instructions to find a soul winner to preach the gospel to them. So it's not that God can't hear the prayers of the unsaved. In fact, when the unsaved pray, when they're seeking the truth, when they're seeking the gospel, God hears those prayers. And, and when they ask to be saved, God hears those prayers. But as far as just praying for daily needs and daily uh, things that they, they, deliverance and things that they need in their life, God is not listening to the voice of the wicked. See, not everyone, just like in Esther's story, not everyone gets access to the king. But... Just like in Esther's story, you and I do get access to the king. See, Esther, not everybody got to come, but Esther did. Not everybody was uh, given grace to come into the presence of King Ahasuerus, but Esther did. And here's the thing. In this world, not everybody gets to pray to God. Not every, they can try. Not everybody gets access to God. Not everybody gets God's ears. But we do get access to the King of Kings. Hebrews chapter 4, are you there? Look at verse 16. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, the Bible says, the Bible says that you and I get access. See, Access to God through prayer. Access to God through prayer is not a right. Not everybody just gets the opportunity to be able to go before God. I mean, think about that. Not everybody on this earth gets the privilege of being able to access the God of the universe, the God of creation, the God who's almighty, omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, able to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Not everybody gets access to that God, but you do. Amen. And I do. And how often do we fail to use that privilege? I mean, the Bible says that God's ear is attentive to the ears, to the, the cries, to the prayers of the righteous. He's waiting and hearing to hear your prayer. So here's the question for you. How often do you pray? The sad thing is not necessarily that the unsaved don't get access to God. The truly sad thing is that the saved get access to God and don't use it. Hebrews chapter 10, if you would, look at verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Look, I'm not trying to pick on you, and I don't need you to answer this out loud, but how's your prayer life? Or maybe we should ask it this way. Do you have a prayer life? Because in the story, we find that prayer is a privilege. We get the privilege of prayer. 
We get to come in boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. See, we get access to God. Do we use it? Prayer is a privilege. There is the privilege of prayer. Not everybody gets to go before God, but you do. If you're saved, you do. I do. We're invited to come in boldly unto the throne of grace, to come in boldly unto the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, to come in boldly into the presence of God and make our requests. How often do we take advantage of that? Keep your place right there in Hebrews. We're going to come back to it. Go back to Esther, if you would. Esther chapter 5. We see a beautiful portrait of prayer in this story of Esther. The first thing we see is the privilege of prayer. Not everyone gets access to the king, but Esther does. And in the same way, not everybody gets access to the king of kings, the Lord of lords, God Almighty, but you and I do. Do we use it? Here's the second thing we see. Not only do we see the privilege of prayer, but we see the purpose of prayer. Notice verse 3. Then said the king unto her, Esther has now exercised her privilege to come before the king, and she found favor at his sight. She is able to come boldly unto the throne of grace of her king, Ahasuerus. And then the king who pictures uh, God says this to her. He says, then said the king unto her. Notice what he says. He says, what wilt thou, Queen Esther? He says, what do you want? Wilt means will. He says, what is your will? What is it that you're asking for? Why did you come here? Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be given thee to half of the kingdom. We'll come back to that in a minute. Notice verses 4 and 5. And Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come uh, 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 this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther had said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And we're going to come back to all of that uh, later on in the, in, in the sermon. But notice verse 6. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine. Notice he asks again, What is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request, even to have the kingdom, uh, shall, it shall be performed. Notice, she comes in to the presence of the king. And the king has uh, one thing on his mind. And he asks it several different ways. In verse 3, he says, what wilt thou? And in verse 3, he says, what is thy request? In verse 6, he says, what is thy petition? In verse 6, he also says, what is thy request? See, we not only see the privilege of prayer, not everybody gets access to the king, but you and I get access to the king. But we also see the purpose of prayer. And the purpose of prayer is this, asking and receiving. That's what prayer is. You say, what is prayer? You know, I want to get a real deep theological, you know, dissertation on prayer. Well, this is as deep as it gets in the Word of God. Prayer is asking and receiving. Matthew chapter 7, if you would go there. Matthew chapter 7, first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7. You say, what is prayer? Prayer is asking and receiving. Prayer... Prayer is asking and receiving. And you know, there's something very interesting about prayer. It's counterintuitive in many ways because, see, in life, wouldn't you want, I mean, wouldn't you want to have, like, a, a rich uncle who says, anything you need, just ask. Just just ask whatever you need. I'll, I'll get it for you. I'll do it for you. I'll take, I mean, how often would you and I take advantage of that? And yet God, God says, hey, what wilt thou? What is your request? What is your petition? Just bring your needs to me and I'll answer your prayers. And then yet, it's the one thing, I mean, I would say of the disciplines of the Christian life, whether it's Bible reading, whether it's tithing, whether it's soul winning or church attendance, prayer is probably the least exercised discipline in the Christian life. It's the thing we do least. It's the thing we struggle with the most. And you say, you've got God saying, ask and you'll receive, and we just refuse to ask. You say, why is that? It has to do with faith. The truth is that you and I just don't really believe 
that God will hear and answer our prayers. But God says, ask. Matthew chapter 7, are you there? Look at verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given thee. Now notice, he doesn't say, it shall be given thee. That's what we want. We want it just given to us. But God says, no, ask, and it shall be given thee. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be open. God says, look, you, you, you want to understand prayer? Here, here's some things for you to understand about prayer. We get the privilege of prayer. Not everybody gets access to God, but you do and I do if we're saved. And there is a purpose to prayer. What is the purpose? The purpose is this, asking and receiving. God says, what wilt thou? What is thy request? What is thy petition? God says, just ask. Those that ask, receive. And those that seek, find. And those that knock, it's opened up to them. So what's the problem? Go to the book of James, if you would. If you kept your place right there in Hebrews, right after Hebrews, you have the book of James. You know these verses. I've preached them to you in the past. It's good for us to be reminded. James chapter 4. What's the problem? Does prayer not work? Oh, prayer works. What's the problem with prayer? Why did God's people live their lives, living their lives with unanswered prayers? Is, is it that, that prayer doesn't work? That we can't actually bow our heads and close our eyes and speak to God and enter into the presence of God, Almighty God? Does that not work? Or is it that God is not powerful enough? God is not able? God does not actually have the ability to answer our prayers? I would submit to you this morning that the reason that our prayers go unanswered has nothing to do with prayer and has nothing to do with God. Prayer is asking and receiving. But the Bible says this, James chapter 4, verse 2, Ye lust, ye lust, the word lust means desire. It's not always in connotation of a physical relationship between a man and a woman. It's just wanting something. What's the problem with prayer? Is it that you don't want things? That's not the problem. You want lots of stuff. Now look, let me just say this. Obviously, we understand that in the context of prayer, and I've, I've preached this in the past, and I don't have time to develop it this morning. You don't just ask for whatever you want, and God gives it to you. There are some rules to prayer. We must pray in faith, the Bible says. We must pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, whenever you get done praying, make sure to say, in Jesus' name. That's what gives us access to the Father. We must pray according to His will. That's where, we, that's where you, you know, it gets us most of the time. We're praying against the will of God. We, we must pray uh, uh, believing and in faith. So there's some things that must happen there. But I want you to notice here in James 4, 2, the Bible says, ye lust. See, the problem is not that you don't have needs or desires or things that, that you want from God. He says, ye lust and have not. And because you don't get them from God, then you put it into your own hands. Ye kill and desire to have. You're going to fix it. You're going to do it. You're going to manipulate it. You're going to make it happen. Ye kill and desire to have, notice, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. So what's the problem? Here it is. Yet ye have not because ye ask not. See, prayer is asking and receiving. And we have not because we ask not. The problem with prayer is that we don't pray. The problem with prayer is that we don't take the time to go before the throne of God to make a request before God. The Bible says that if we ask, we would receive. And again, I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you. Could you look back on life? Could you look back on your life and say, man, I can tell you, I was praying for this situation and God did that. And I was praying in here and God took care of that. I was praying for that. And if you cannot, if you cannot, that's not God's fault. That probably has to do with the fact that you're not praying. It's not that you don't have problems. We all got problems. That we don't bring our problems before God. Whenever I preach on this subject and think about prayer, the words of the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, always come to my mind. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry 
everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. See, there is a privilege to prayer. Not everybody gets access to God. I don't know if you know that. But you do. And I do. And there is a purpose to prayer. Prayer is asking and receiving. And we have not because we ask not. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Keep your place right there in James, if you would. Go back to Esther chapter 5. Let me give you a third lesson in the story we see. We see the privilege of prayer. We see the purpose of prayer. Like you notice, thirdly this morning, the promise of prayer. We see the promise of prayer. Here we have the king, Ahasuerus, who's illustrating for us God the Father, and Queen Esther, who's picturing for us the believers. And notice what he says to her in verse 3, Esther chapter 5 and verse 3, Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? That's the purpose of prayer. What is thy request? That's the whole point of praying. Then I want you to notice the promise of prayer. It shall be even given thee. You know God makes an, a promise? God makes a promise that he will answer your prayers. Now again, they must be done in faith. They must be done in the name of Jesus Christ. They must be done according to his will. There are several rules and things that must happen there in regards to prayer. But you know, God says, if you come to me in faith, believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're praying within my will and you're praying for something, you're not just praying to consume it upon your lust, like James says, but you're actually praying according to my will. God says, I promise you, I promise you. Here, Ahasuerus says, it shall be given thee. Look at verse 6. Esther chapter 5, verse 6. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition? The purpose of prayer. Here's the promise of prayer. And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? The purpose of prayer. Even to have the kingdom. Here's the promise of prayer. It shall be performed. Go to 1 John, if you would. 1 John chapter 5. Keep your place there in James. But uh, if you go from James, you have 1st, 2nd Peter, and then you got the book of 1st John. Keep your place in James, but you got James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st John. You know why we don't pray? I mean, let's just be honest. Can we be honest? I mean, if there's one place we could be honest, it shouldn't be church. Amen. I think there's a story in the Bible of somebody getting struck down in church for lying. You know why we don't pray? Here's why we don't pray. We're just too busy. Too busy. I mean, we've got so many problems. We've got so many issues. We've got so many bills to pay. We've got so many relationships to restore. We've got so many things that need to get fixed and things that need to get done that we just got to get up in the morning and, and get rolling and working and working on that to-do list and working on all those things and trying to get it all done. And we've got to get it all accomplished because there's just too much to do. And the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, nobody, nobody has time to just stop for 15 minutes, to stop for 30 minutes, to stop for an hour and not physically work and accomplish and do anything, but simply speak to God. Nobody has time for that. Unless you believe that God is actually listening. First John chapter 5, right there, look at verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. See, you don't know what the promise of prayer is? Ahasuerus said, just tell me what you need and it shall be granted thee. Tell me what you want and it shall be performed. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. See, nobody has time to ask for things 
that are just not going to happen. I mean, we, we've got needs. We've got needs at this church. You know why I don't take the time to write a nice, fancy letter to Bill Gates asking him for a million dollars? You know why? Because it's not going to happen. From Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or Trump or anybody. And that's the same reason you and I don't pray. Because if we were honest with ourselves, we don't actually think that anybody's listening. But God makes a promise. See, see, prayer is a faith thing. There's no physical aspect to it. There's nothing we're physically doing, we're putting our hands on, we're putting our eyeballs on, and we're getting something done. We're just taking time to stop and acknowledge the God of the universe and say, God, I believe, I need your help. And we'd rather just try to do it ourselves because we have more confidence in that. Because we have more trust in the fact that if I just work a little harder, if I just try a little harder, if I just stay a little longer, if I just do it, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. But there is a promise to prayer that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have our petitions that we desired of him. Now, of course, we also need to understand this, that sometimes God, you know, people say, God doesn't answer my prayers. And they're like, no, God answered your prayer. The answer was no. (laughs) Sometimes they go, well, God didn't answer my prayer. No, he answered it. It's just not the answer you wanted. Go back to Esther chapter 5, if you would. In the story, we see this beautiful portrait of prayer. We see the privilege of prayer and the purpose of prayer and the promise of prayer. Like you notice, lastly this morning, we see the power of prayer. Notice what King Ahasuerus says to Queen Esther in verse 3. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? That's the purpose of prayer. And what is thy request? That's the purpose of prayer. It shall be given thee... That's the promise of prayer. Then he says this, to the half of the kingdom. That's the power of prayer. See, Esther was not speaking to a man that did not have the authority or the power to do what Esther needed done. And Ahasuerus knew that. In fact, Ahasuerus said, he says, look, just ask. Ask what you want, and I promise I'll do it. But then he adds this statement, the statement of power, of authority. He says to the half of the kingdom, see, Ahasuerus is saying to Esther, he's saying, look, I am the king. I am the, uh, the, the monarch. I am powerful. I have authority. And I am willing to leverage my power on your behalf. Notice verse 6. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, what is thy petition? The purpose of prayer. And it shall be granted thee the promise of prayer. And what is thy request? The purpose of prayer. Even to the half of the kingdom, the power of prayer. And it shall be performed. See, the power of prayer is this, that God's power can answer any prayer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? Do you believe that God can do all things? Do you believe that God, if he wanted to, if he wanted to, could answer your prayer? Well, then why don't you pray? Then why don't you, why don't you set aside time and take time to ask God? Not everybody gets that privilege. And the purpose is that we get to ask and receive, and we have not because we ask not. And the promise is that if we ask in the right way, not to consume it upon our lust, not according to the will of God, believing in faith, sometimes partnering with others in prayer, that God says, if you, I hear your prayers and you will receive your petitions, he says, I promise. And then God says, there's a power to prayer. That God Almighty can work on your behalf. If you'd believe. James chapter 5. You would. James chapter 5. You can go back to the book of James. James chapter 5. Look at verse 16. 
James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. You believe that? Look, on Wednesday nights when we take time out of the service to bring petitions from our church family to God, this is not just a ritual. This is not just some sort of religious activity. I don't know about you, but I actually believe God can hear those prayers and answer those prayers. And that God wants to hear the prayers. That God wants to answer our prayers. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The word avail or availeth means to help or benefit. See, if you understood the benefit that came from prayer, you'd take the time to pray. See, we, we, this is what we do. We do everything we can possibly do, and once we've done everything we can do and we're still failing, then we pray. Well, I got nothing left to do. I guess I'll just involve the God of the universe in this. If we were smart, the first thing we'd do is pray. See, we, we think, well, if, if, if I can get it all done, if I, if I can't get it done on my own, then I'll ask God. And what a, 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 a person who understands Scripture says, I need God. Now, look, there is this concept, and I don't have time to develop it this morning, that we've got to put some feet to our prayers. You know, you got to pray like it all depends on God and then work like it all depends on you. But don't forget about God. Because all we see, we'll see in Esther, and we'll see it in the next couple of chapters, that God does work on the other side. That God does work when we can't see him, when we don't understand. He's at work in our lives. Do you believe that God wants to answer your prayers? Go to the book of Psalms, if you would, Psalm 81. From the book of Esther, you have Job, and then the book of Psalms. Psalms 81. Psalm 81. When you get to the book of Psalms, please keep your place right there. We're going to spend the rest of the sermon in the book of Psalms. We're going to go back between Esther and Psalms. Psalm 81. I love this verse. Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And of course, Egypt is a picture of the world and bondage. Coming out of Egypt is a picture of salvation. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Then he says this, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Do you believe that? Whenever I read that verse, it reminds me of our kids. I'm sure your kids do the same thing, especially the little ones, the babies and toddlers. You know what they do when they want something from you? You know, you're eating I mean, you go to a restaurant, you buy yourself a nice, you know, dinner, whatever. You know, my wife is healthy, so she buys all these things that I don't know why somebody, you know, broccoli and, um, you know, other things that grow from the ground. Right? This nice restaurant, she's ordering broccoli and, you know, whatever. And then we get this little meal for the, for the babies, for the kids, right? Chicken nuggets and french fries. And then the baby walks up to my wife and goes like this. <laughs> she wants her salmon. She wants her, I mean, I guess we're thankful she likes broccoli and peas or whatever. She doesn't come to me, she'll get poked with the, you know, the fork. <laughs> you got your chicken nuggets, I got my chicken nuggets. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> you know what babies do? They want something from Mama. You know what God says? Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Do you open your mouth wide in prayer? God, I need you. He says, if you'd open your mouth wide, I'd fill it. So what's the problem? We don't open our mouths. Jeremiah 33, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ephesians 3.20, you don't have to turn them. They are now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his riches and glory. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there is a power to prayer, that God has the power, that God has the ability, that God wants to fill your mouth if you'd open it before him? 
See, the power of prayer is that God's power can answer any prayer. But I'd like you to notice also this morning, go back to Esther. Keep your place right there in Psalms. Go back to Esther. There's another purpose to prayer, and it is this, that our only real power against our enemies is prayer. See, there is this, there is this idea as I was studying this chapter and looking at this portrait, this beautiful portrait of prayer, and seeing, man, look at all these uh, 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 parallels between Esther and Ahasuerus and our prayer lives between God. There's all these parallels, but in the midst of that, in the midst of that, there's this character, Haman, who keeps coming in and out, this enemy of Esther, who's involved in prayer. And this is not by coincidence. See, God wants to teach us that there is another use to the power of prayer, and it is that prayer is one of our secret weapons against our enemies. Esther chapter 5, look at verse 4. And Esther answered, if it seemed good unto the king, because remember the king said, hey, just ask what you want. And Esther answered, if it seemed good unto the king, let the king and Haman, the enemy, Come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Esther made a banquet. She invites the king. We get that. But then she invites Haman too. Verse 5. And the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther had said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. The king and the enemy come before Esther. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom shall it be performed. And we understand that Esther at this time does not take the time to ask the king for deliverance. She decides to wait a night, a very important move because in that night, God does something great. We'll talk about that at a different sermon. But look at verse 7. And then answered Esther and said, my petition and my request is if I found favor in the sight of the king and if it pleased the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, Esther somehow understanding the the timing was not right. She says, let the king and Haman, her enemy, come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king has said. When I read that, I can't help but think of Psalm 23. If you kept your place in Psalm, go back to Psalm 23 and look at verse 5. Because we have Esther inviting her enemy to a banquet with the king. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me, right? He's guiding us. He's with us. And then the Bible says this in verse 5, Psalm 23, verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. You know that I can stand before my enemies if God is with me? And you know that the secret weapon, the secret weapon that we have against our enemies is prayer? I mean, it's an interesting thought, and I won't take the time to develop it. Go to Psalm 58, if you would. But if you go to Ephesians chapter 6, the famous passage on spiritual warfare. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Where the Bible tells us to put the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. That we put on the whole armor of God, and he gives you all these defensive armor a helmet and a shield and shoes. He gives us one offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But then immediately after that passage, Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all supplication and faith. See, right after that, Paul brings up the subject of prayer. I always thought that was interesting. It's almost like Paul is saying, by the way, there's a secret weapon. There's a secret weapon. It's called prayer. He says, make sure you put on the armor of God. Make sure you get ready to engage in spiritual warfare. But don't forget this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Don't forget prayer. See, prayer is the secret weapon against our enemies. Let me give you a personal and very recent illustration of the power of prayer against our enemies. Many of you know this. A lot of you have been talking about it. There's a guy by the name of Todd Ferguson who was recently found murdered in an alley. Some of you don't know this, and that's because I don't broadcast a lot of these things, but Todd Ferguson is a man who has devoted his life against the new IFB movement. He has attacked us and lied about us and 
done all sorts of wicked things against us, and specifically, specifically against Verity Baptist Church. We have become the target of his ire for about the last year, making all sorts of videos against us, lies against us, trying to connect us to other churches' failures and scandals, just completely attacking us. And just, we, I mean, he attacks everyone, but I would say that Verity Baptist Church, and for whatever reason, your pastor became the focus of his attacks over these last many months. Some of you also know that I have a daily prayer list. And on that daily prayer list, I put, I have things I pray for. My wife and I have things we pray for every week. But we have a special prayer list that are very specific things that we pray for every day. Some of you, we have you on there, you know, with uh, work situations and you've got some things you need to do, decisions you need to make in regards to work. Some of you are buying a house and we've got you on there for that and we've got certain things. At the end of that prayer list, we have our prayers for the people that we're asking God to kill. Now, if that offends you, let me just remind you that all throughout the Bible, you find these examples of imprecatory prayers. And precatory prayers are prayers when you pray for God to deliver you against the wicked and to hurt them. And if you think I'm being uh, carnal, I'll just give you an example of one. There's all sorts of them throughout the Bible, but I'll give you one example, Psalm 58, like you notice verse 3. Psalm 58, verse 3. The Bible says this, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. I just want you to notice that Psalm 58 is about David speaking about wicked people. Why don't you notice David's imprecatory prayer towards these wicked people? Verse 6, break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually when he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows. Let them be as cut in pieces. As a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away like the untimely birth of a woman that they may not see the sun. Some of you are like, man, if I knew I could pray like that, I'd pray more often. (laughs) I mean, this concept of imprecatory prayers and praying that God would destroy your enemies is a concept found in the Bible. And as a result of this ministry, I found some people that have just really bothered me. Now, let me just say a few things and just be clear. Number one, when this guy, I guess he disappeared for a few days and they found his body. Let me just be clear. I have an alibi. <laughs> uh, on, the, on the night of the alleged kidnapping, I was at a gathering with at least 12 people that can all confirm that I was there. So it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Um, I will also say this, I'm not the only one, I was not the only one praying for this guy's death. There was lots of people praying for this guy to die. Praise the Lord. Look, there's something wrong with you when, when hundreds of God's people are praying that you die, you're a wicked person. Amen. Let me also say this, when I pray, because I've got six people, well, five now, <laughs> on my list that I'm praying for. When I pray, I'll, I'll be honest with you, this is how I pray. I pray, Lord, help them to stop. Help them to, to, to shut down their YouTube channels, to drop their lawsuits, to, to, do, to, to just stop. I, I pray this. Lord, I don't, believe they're, I, I don't believe they can get saved. I think they're reprobates, but I may be wrong. If they can be saved, Lord, help them to get saved and to stop. Amen. And then I always end this way, and I say, but Lord, if they are reprobates, then kill them. Right. Amen. Move, remove them. I don't think you should pray that way. Well, here's the thing. Prayer is the only power I have against these people. Well, Pastor, how do you feel about praying for somebody to die and then he shows up dead? I believe in prayer. You have not because you ask not. Do you believe that God's power can answer any prayer? Do you believe that God's power in prayer can protect you against your enemies? Because Esther, Esther comes before the king. She's coming before the king to plead on her behalf against Haman and invites Haman to the banquet. He sat at the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And she prays. And she makes requests before God. Here's all I'm saying. Here's all I'm telling you. 
Hopefully, you don't have that many people in your life that are reprobates that you want to kill. And let me just say this. You should only pray for reprobates to die, okay? You know, don't be praying for it. Lord, just kill my husband. Just, just let him, you know, choke on that pretzel. <laughs> don't do that. Do you believe in prayer? See, we, we get a privilege. See, they get, they get to shut down our, our YouTube accounts. They get to shut down our bank accounts. They get to get us kicked out of buildings. They get to move this world and the course of this world against us. But you know what we get to do? We get to come before God in prayer. Amen. There is a privilege to prayer. There is a purpose to prayer, asking and receiving. And if you're asking, you will receive. And the reason you're not receiving is because you're not asking. See, we have not because we ask not. There is a promise to prayer. God says, if you pray, I'll hear it. And if I hear it, you'll have my petitions. There is a power to prayer. God can answer your prayer. And prayer is really our secret weapon against our enemies. Now, the rest of these people, I don't know. If they all start dying, then you know, I might need to get a lawyer. I kind of need them all to just, you know, be together and drive off a cliff or something. <laughs> but I will say this, I believe in prayer. Say, Pastor, what did you do when you were told that this guy was found dead? I said, Lord, thank you for answering our prayer. Lord, thank you for taking care of your people. An enemy who has viciously attacked this ministry, lying and misrepresenting. And here's the question I have. Do you believe in prayer? Then why don't you pray? Let's be like Esther and bring our request before the king. Come before the throne of grace to ask help in time of need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for this beautiful portrait of prayer in the Bible. Lord, I pray you'd help us to take advantage of prayer. Help us to take advantage of the privilege of prayer, the purpose of prayer, the promise of prayer, the power of prayer. Let it not be said of us that we have not because we ask not. Lord, I pray you'd help us to pray. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.